0: Hello and welcome to the University of Minnesota Swine Extension Podcast Series. Today's podcast is a discussion about secure pork supply. My name is Sarah Sheik and I'm a swine extension educator with the University of Minnesota. Joining me today, I've got Dave Wright along with Diane DeWitt. I thought a secure pork supply discussion would be the perfect topic following our episode 10 which was on African swine fever. Because secure pork supply is the voluntary continuity of business plan, providing producers the ability to prepare for a foreign animal disease before an outbreak. To get us started today, I'll let both Dave and Diane introduce themselves and their current positions. Dave, would you mind getting us started?
1: Sure, thank you, Sarah. I appreciate the invitation to participate in this podcast. Uh, I'm a veterinarian from Buffalo, Minnesota, and for the last uh, year and a half plus, I have been working with the Board of Animal Health as the Minnesota Secure Pork Supply Coordinator. And my uh, my goal in this position has been to, first of all, generate awareness uh, for producers and veterinarians and industry about the Secure Pork Supply Plan, and then to facilitate participation.
2: Well, hello, I'm Diane DeWitt, and I'm an Extension educator uh, based in Mankato, uh, and I specialize in swine, and I've been with the University of Minnesota Extension for 11 years.
0: Thank you to both of you for being on the podcast today. Dave, can you explain in more detail what the Secure Pork Supply is and how specifically it will prepare producers for a foreign animal disease outbreak?
1: Well, in your introduction, Sarah, you mentioned that uh, the plan is a voluntary program to provide a workable continuity of business plan for commercial pork producers that's acceptable to state and federal animal health officials while providing a safe supply of pork for our customers. And it's really a, a situation where it's going to aid those herds that are affected by an outbreak, but not infected by the disease itself. And we're hoping that it's going to offer some sense of control. The key phrase here has been continuity of business. And that is to lay out some of the expectations of animal health officials that will give producers the highest probability of being able to move their pigs, because movement restrictions will be imposed. And as we've gone through the program with producers, we, we remind them that the ultimate goal is to provide both animal health officials and movement destination with enough documented evidence to conclude that their pigs are safe to move. So this, is, uh, this has been the, the ultimate um, program and there are three basic components of the plan. Number one, it's traceability and movement management, which involves identifying premises, identifications, PIN numbers, and transport records. Uh, Second is enhanced biosecurity to try to keep any diseases out or prove that you're working to do that. And then finally, the third basic component is foreign animal disease training and response.
0: Thank you for more of that explanation. Dave, how would a foreign animal disease impact the U.S. pork industry or agriculture as a whole?
1: Most people who studied this issue believe that a foreign animal disease is, uh, not, uh, is very highly probable to occur in the United States. Most people believe it's not if, but when. So this puts a real sense of urgency to the, this program. And in the event of African swine fever outbreak, which has really been a big part of the news recently in the swine industry, and was the uh, point of your recent podcast, the expected revenue losses to the swine industry are $8 billion in the first year. And there would be additional losses of $3 billion to the beef and $5.5 billion to corn and soybean farmers. So it's going to be tremendously costly. In the event of a foot and mouth disease outbreak, which uh, this disease affects not only pigs, but other cloven-hooved animals, the estimates are about $12.8 billion per year. So these, uh, a disease outbreak would be really costly. It's gonna prevent a lot of our, our export markets will be closed down. And in addition to the financial losses, there's gonna be tremendous emotional losses as uh, some producers may have to face depopulation and uh, that's emotionally a, a huge problem. And then of course, there'll be the inconvenience of movement restrictions, which uh, is, will need to be put in place so that uh, officials can determine how extensive the outbreak has happened, and also to try to protect the remaining, the rest of the, of the livestock industry. So uh, really a big and costly issue uh, if we get it or if and when we get it.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like that, especially with um, the different dollar values that you give, not only for the U.S. pork industry, but for the other animal um, as well as crop industries as well. Dave, in your Secure Pork Supply Coordinator role with Minnesota Board of Animal Health, can you explain Minnesota's plan? And I know you've come up with a seven-step process to help producers prepare as well as to participate.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to respond to that. One of my jobs, as I mentioned, or my responsibilities of this position has been to facilitate participation with producers. Now most of the information or virtually all of the information is found at www.securepork.org and this is a tremendous website it's got all sorts of information about the secure pork supply plan and how uh, producers can participate. Uh, When I started looking through this however I noticed that a lot of the things is probably a bit overwhelming for a lot of producers and veterinarians And as a practicing veterinarian, I know producers wanna know how do I fulfill the responsibilities that you're expecting from me. So we put this together in a seven step process that leads producers and veterinarians through the the protocol on a step-by-step basis to um, go from awareness to participation. And I'll just briefly review the seven step uh, process. Number one is familiarize yourself with the uh, Secure Pork website, www.securepork.org. That's the the first step, is just to see what's available to assist producers, even if you don't read through all of the information. Step number two is validate your premises and obtain a premises ID uh, number, and then to print a map. We're really fortunate in the swine industry that perhaps 95% of our producers already have a PIN or a premises ID number, uh, which is a federal number to locate uh, each premises. And uh, the other thing that we'll be doing with this is to validate that that um, 911 address matches the location of where the pigs are. And then we uh, have a process to print a map. Step number three is to locate and compile our records, which are logbooks. Um uh, certificates of veterinary inspections or health certificates that help to identify movement, movement records, standard operating procedures. Uh, most of our swine producers are have participated in PQA, and a lot of this information has already been compiled there. So it's a matter of just finding and locating those things and reviewing those processes. Step number four is uh part of a biosecurity plan, enhanced biosecurity part one is what we call it, and that is where we introduce a biosecurity plan template. And there's a template that is uh, available on securepork.org that basically identifies the different options that you might have for biosecurity plans on your farm. And uh, we have uh, used a a little modification of this template to pre-fill and uh, allow minimize the the need for repeated entries so this is part of the uh, little word trick that is is available in there. Uh, Step number five is creating and labeling a premises map which is an important part of the plan and uh, in step two we had printed a map and put that into a word document and in step number five then we're going to label the different items like line of separation, line of separation access point, perimeter buffer area, and cleaning and disinfection stations, uh, where the uh, mortalities are removed, and how they're disposed of. So a lot of that's already on the plan, and that's what we're gonna do in step number five. Then step number six is we're gonna complete the biosecurity plan template uh, that includes a lot of the biosecurity protocols that we've already reviewed. And we found that once the map is established and the discussion has been uh, made, uh, identifying where things are and how things are done, then when we fill out the biosecurity plan template, um, it becomes much easier. Then step number seven is foreign animal disease training and response. And this is basically an educational portion of the program that to help producers and veterinarians identify what to look for in the different foreign animal diseases that are affect swine, and uh, which is uh, classical swine fever or hog cholera, African swine fever, and then foot and mouth disease. So those are the three uh, main diseases that we're gonna look at in, in this. And uh, so when we're finished with this, we basically have three different documents. There's a premises map that identifies the different items that we talked about earlier. There's a biosecurity plan, which is an enhanced biosecurity plan that would be in place. Or is in place to try to minimize the chances of infection and then finally there's a biosecurity checklist and we've added step eight to our program here in our seven step process and that is where um, we're asking the veterinarian to complete this checklist after he or she has re- reviewed the, the plan with the producer and uh, then to go to the Board of Animal Health the Minnesota Board of Animal Health website and complete that checklist uh, online. And that will then be logged in and available to uh, state animal health officials if it's necessary. So that's the the basic component of our seven-step plan to help to facilitate the program with producers.
0: Thanks, Dave, for explaining that process. I know it might seem cumbersome, but I think the way that you have divided it out into steps has made it to be a manageable task for farms to go through and prepare themselves for a foreign animal disease. Now, Diane, I know that you have done a fair amount of work um, with Dave as it relates to the, the cure pork supply. Can you share how you have partnered with Dave to help get the message to producers and encourage involvement?
2: Well, sure. Uh, we in Extension knew that Dave was uh, representing the Board of Animal Health out there working with swine producers across Minnesota, and um, education is our, what we do. And so uh, we collaborated with Dave to organize 14 face-to-face workshops um, kind of in the in the traditional extension model of having meetings out in the state. Um, we worked with uh, counties that had local ag educators who could host us in workshops, and then we also set up workshops in the swine-dense parts of the state where we were already offering PQA and TQA education on a regular basis. So we knew we had producers who attended um, – certification trainings, and we're in the area. And um, I think one of the uh, interesting things we found was that we attracted not only producers, but we attracted veterinarians and agency folks from the uh, Board of Animal Health, the Department of Ag, and uh, other affiliated Minnesota departments. Um, and And we had quite a few uh, participants who represented uh, feed companies or worked with um, groups of producers, you know, in their, in a nutritionist kind of role. And so in, the, in that way, we were actually reaching beyond just the producers, but we were uh, getting in touch with folks who had, uh, who worked with producers.
0: Thanks, Diane, for sharing what Extension's efforts have been. What has been the impact to date of some of those workshops or other educational programming that you've done?
2: Well, we, we did these workshops in November, December, and January, and we, like I said, we targeted portions of the state that were sort of swine-dense. And so we had 12 workshops, and we worked with about 80 uh, individuals at those 12 workshops. And what we learned from our evaluations though were that these folks who attended our workshops influenced more than six point two million pigs in five states, uh, Minnesota and Iowa, Nebraska, and North and South Dakota as well and so uh, in in those ways of measuring, we felt uh, pretty satisfied that we were uh, touching people who uh, we're touching producers. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you want to, if you can, if you want to add to that too, go right ahead. Sure, I
1: think that's pretty accurate, Diane. I think we've been uh, pretty happy with the response we've gotten, although the number of people that might have attended, in some cases it was quite low, they were key people. They're people that had a big impact on many different sites. And uh, in addition to the workshops, I've had an opportunity to meet with system leaders from some of the main pork systems in the the state and also with uh, veterinarians and some of the individual producers. So I think we have managed to approach and to train uh, a big portion of uh, some of the key players in the state that affect the swine industry. So uh, although there's plenty of work yet to be done, I think we've made uh, uh, certainly uh, a nice beginning and a good impact on the industry in a positive way to prepare them for foreign animal disease.
0: Yes, it definitely sounds like the two of you have made an impact with, with your efforts. As you have been working with producers, what have been some tips that each of you have learned, whether it be helping with the enhanced biosecurity plans, or other steps of the secure pork supply?
1: I'll comment on this first. Uh, uh, First of all, I think what we have learned is that uh, it's really important for producers to explore the information on securepork.org at that website. There's a tremendous amount of information that's available there, and I encourage producers to do that. Second of all, of course, is get a PIN if you don't have one, a premises ID number. And as I mentioned, most of the uh, we've been fortunate because our packing uh, plant industry has insisted on it. FFA and 4H who show pigs need to have a premises ID. So the swine industry is way ahead of other industries in doing that. And then uh, go through the process for the seven-step process to participate. And there are a lot of tips in there about how to facilitate this in a way that uh, makes it just a lot easier so it isn't quite so much busy work. And then finally, I guess what I would say is that even though it is a little bit of a cumbersome uh, bureaucratic exercise, I think producers that have gone through it have found it to be very helpful, if nothing more, to uh, improve biosecurity and identify lapses. And that's something that uh, really in this time and and, uh, situation in our industry, it can't be overemphasized enough. So did you have some other things, Diane, that you'd want to comment on?
2: Yeah, I, I, you, you hit it on the head there when you were talking about biosecurity lapses. And I think that the evaluations from our workshops reflected that a lot of the participants really uh, appreciated the, uh, the importance of uh, looking over their biosecurity plan and, and uh, getting things sharpened up with their team. Uh, back at the barn. A couple of other things that uh, came to mind as we were going through these workshops, there's quite a bit of paperwork required in in pork production, you know, at any level. One of the good things, or the bright spot, I thought, was that the secure pork supply paperwork that goes into the enhanced biosecurity plan is co-branded with PQA uh, paperwork that's already required, and so uh, it's, in many cases, it's a matter of just making copies from the PQA Paperwork and just putting it into the secure pork supply plan as well. There are some additional things that are required because it is enhanced biosecurity plan. But uh, the fact that uh, many of the requirements were already in place in a producer's records makes it a little a little more seamless in the in the creation of that. I also thought that the creation of the map, working with producers who are actually looking at the map of their Site and thinking about where they can put a cleaning and disinfectant station or how to control traffic in and out of their site. Uh, When you have that map and actually start looking at that, that's a huge step to tightening biosecurity, I think. I thought that was a valuable impact that came out of working with producers in these workshops.
0: Thanks for sharing those, if you want to say, insights that you've learned as you work with producers to help them on their secure pork supply. Now I know what we've mentioned some about different resources that are available to producers already, but where can pork producers find resources to assist them in creating their secure pork supply plan?
2: Well, Here in Minnesota, our U of M uh, extension swine website is a good resource, particularly uh, if you go to z.umn.edu slash secure pork seven steps. And that is where the seven steps of developing a secure pork supply plan can be found along with additional embedded videos that you and Dave have done uh, to uh, further explain and highlight the the plan itself and then also the three foreign animal diseases that we are talking about when we're talking about the secure pork supply plan and then our swine extension blog in general is a good place to go for more information, and our Swine Extension YouTube channel as well. And and we are continuously adding more information as it becomes available. And the other thing is that uh, you and I, Sarah, are are able to assist producers uh, who have questions about the Secure Pork Supply Plan.
0: Yeah, that's great, Diane, that you mentioned all of those things because yeah, we've got lots of resources on whether it's our blog or through the website. And I just want to add that step seven um, is where those videos are embedded. Um, However, if you just want to go and watch the videos, yeah, check out our U of M Swine Extension YouTube channel is where you'll find those videos that I recorded with Dave explaining the three different um, foreign animal diseases that pork producers should focus on and watch out for. So great to point out those resources. Dave, do you've got some resources that you'd like to talk about?
1: Yeah, I guess I'd like to just uh, reaffirm my confidence in both uh, uh, you and Diane as being capable of following up with this. You've got a lot of experience. You've been with me on uh, these different workshops, so you've worked with producers and going through it. Uh, it Just so happens that the the position that I hold, uh, we've exhausted our resources, and the position won't be uh, refilled at this point. So uh, I'm not gonna be in an official position with the Board of Animal Health anymore to assist producers, but I think we have put in place a lot of things that uh, producers can work with on their own or with your assistance. Uh, Those foreign animal disease videos is one of the educational efforts, as I mentioned, to help producers identify that. And this has been something that we have done at each of the workshops. So those are uh, available. And uh, I encourage producers to call their veterinarian for assistance. Uh, Many of them have been involved in in the program itself and have been trained in how to assist producers. So I encourage them to use that resource as well.
0: And I'd just like to add a couple websites. We've already mentioned them throughout the podcast, but just to remind folks as we come to a close here, the Secure Pork Supply website, which is found at www.securepork.org. Like Dave mentioned, it's one of the steps to get producers to familiarize themselves with the entire um, Secure Pork Supply plan. Um, Also, Diane mentioned where you can find the 7 Steps to Participate, that is located at z.umn.edu backslash pork 7 steps And then I thought another um, place I would share is National Pork Board's website, because as we've mentioned, um, some of the record keeping and stuff like that, um, not only needed for secure pork supply, but also um, fit for PQA as well. So specifically, the foreign animal disease materials is found at www.pork.org FAD. Well, I'd like to thank both Dave and Diane for talking with me about the Secure Pork Supply Plan and the efforts in Minnesota in preparing the pork industry for a foreign animal disease.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and I appreciate all the help that you've offered to the industry uh, in implementing the Secure Pork Supply Plan.
2: Thanks, Sarah, for having us on today. I think that it's uh, the Secure Pork Supply Plan is an ongoing effort and it's not going away. So it's, uh, it's good for everyone to keep it in, in their mind and remember that uh, they can get help Uh, from their veterinarian or from U of M extension.
0: So with that, this wraps up our podcast for today. Thank you to those listening to the University of Minnesota Swine Extension Podcast. This has been Sarah Sheik, Swine Extension Educator, along with Dave Wright and Diane DeWitt on Minnesota's effort with Secure Pork Supply Plan. To further connect with the University of Minnesota Swine Extension, please visit the swine specific web pages on the University of Minnesota Extension's website at www.extension.umn.edu swine and on those pages you'll find connections to our blog and Facebook page. To learn about research being done by our swine faculty in veterinary medicine, please visit their Swine in Minnesota blog at w